Hello, it's Danny Howe back again for an episode of Tales from Southern Indiana, and seems like uh, I put off way too long talking about basketball. You know, in Indiana, uh, you're really required by law to be a basketball fan. Everybody grows up loving it, even if, like me, they don't actually know anything about it. And uh, in my day, uh, until you know, maybe 20 years ago or so, I guess, Indiana was one of the states that just had one class of high school basketball state tournament competition. All the big schools, all little schools, all together. And the dream of every little school uh, was to overcome all the giants and make it all the way to the state championship game and win it, just like Milan, Indiana, the town that was portrayed in the movie Hoosiers with Gene Hackman. And the truth is there were a number of little towns that uh, made it just about that far and uh, one from my home county that made it all the way. In Indiana, basketball means high school basketball. It doesn't mean college necessarily, uh, Bobby Knight or the Pacers or what have you, as important as they are to the basic basketball fandom. It's high school that really was king over the course of my life growing up. And nobody really captured the imagination probably more than uh, Damon Bailey from my home county, Lawrence County, uh, who took his basketball team, his high school, uh, in Bedford, Indiana, which is a town of maybe fewer than 20,000 people at the time, I think, to the state finals uh, three years. And then in his senior year, with the team down, gosh, I think about uh, six points with two minutes to go, uh, he brought them back and won the, t- won the tournament, scored 30 points, and cemented himself permanently, I think, in the memory of uh, basketball fans in Indiana. All the things that he did in college, uh, which were significant, uh, to those of us in the state, they were great. We, you know, we applauded him and, and, and were real happy for any success he had, but I suspect that by the time he got to college, He no longer was physically the player that he had been because of all of the punishment, no doubt, that he took in the career he had uh, in high school basketball. But at any rate, uh, in my hometown, which was in the same county and was called Mitchell, they once went to the state tournament. It was a long, long time back. When I went to high school there in the uh, early 70s, there was a teacher of history named Henry Polson. Henry Polson in 1940 took the Mitchell High School basketball team all the way to the state championship final game. He coached at Mitchell for, I think, maybe six years or so. The first four years, they won the sectional, which is the first level of tournament in the state competition, every single year. And it must have been quite a thing uh, for him. Uh, but. When I knew him, or when we knew him, uh, and when he was a teacher in the early 70s, he wouldn't talk at all about the experience with that basketball team. Obviously, it had happened a long time ago, but for whatever other reason, he wouldn't speak about it. He wouldn't answer questions about it, really. <clears throat> and, um, and I often wondered what happened in the intervening years. I know that he quit uh, uh, teaching and uh, coaching basketball uh, and opened, I think, a uh, a, uh, uh, a store on Main Street, uh, uh, a sundry store, and maybe did, a, you know, I think a number of other things for possibly 18 years or so before he came back to teaching. And 
One of the realities, I think, uh, for teachers then and when I was living, when I was growing up there as well, was teachers didn't, they didn't get paid any money. Uh, it, it was almost starvation wage. And uh, uh, when I was a kid, people would bring food to some of the teachers to help them out uh, because they, unless they had some other source of income, and some of them were farmers, then they really could be uh, pretty strapped for cash all the time. Maybe that was a reason. At any rate, 1940 must have been a very different time. The team uh, had started out uh, with a starting five. Every single player was at least six feet tall. And their center was six foot four, which back in then, those days, was a giant. He was the tallest player of any of the teams in the final four of the state championship in 1940. They lost a couple of players uh, along the way before they got to the final four. One became ill, another one turned 20 years old. Apparently, if you were 20 and you were still in high school, you couldn't play basketball anymore. It doesn't, doesn't seem right on some level. It seems like it discourages people from finishing high school if they've taken a few extra years to do it, as probably was not all that uncommon back then. But at any rate, they were, as it turned out, not the only little school in the tournament that year. Mitchell had a population of maybe around 32, 3,300. There was another school called Lapel which had a population of maybe 1,200 or 1,300, and they were in the final four. They didn't make it to the championship game. That would have been really cool uh, if two little bitty towns had played for the championship. Mitchell did. They overcame big time schools and uh, must have been really something uh, to get that far, and yet they lost. And I think we all knew growing up that there really wouldn't be another occasion in the single class tournament where Mitchell would ever reach that pinnacle again, but still something that I think could never be taken away from anybody. And there's all sorts of articles that uh, uh, one can dig up about, uh, well, about just about anything, but certainly about those times. And I saw an article about a holiday tournament that the team won uh, in uh, January 1940, in which they defeated the Bloomington High School team. Bloomington was a much bigger town. And the article mentioned uh, that the final score was, um, uh, it looked like it was uh, maybe 40, 41 to 35, which was a lot of points back then. And then the next paragraph says, Jack Bond has returned to his studies at the Indiana Embalming College uh, after spending the holidays here. I, I, don't, I don't think Jack Bond was, I don't think he was one of the team members. I suspect this was filler. It was a lot of filler back then to make the columns come out even. And, in the little newspapers. Um, however, uh, that did cause me to wonder about embalming. Um, if you went to the embalming college back then, you got a master's of, uh, not a master's, you got a degree in embalming science. And I suppose that it, this sort of thing was necessary. And there were articles about the mortuary business time to time, and there was a, uh, a, a dispute, apparently, that was going back and forth for a while between some of the churches and the mortuaries over who should have services, memorial services, whether it should be in the funeral home or in the churches or what have you. And there's an article in which one of the one of the mortuary uh, folks was complaining that uh, you know that the, the church folks they'd have us morticians. It says dispose of the body just as cheaply as possible so they could divert the people into their church for a memorial service at a fee, of course that they seem to feel like morticians are making millions of dollars. And he said, you know, there need to be some facts that people realize about the mortician business. They said that, you know, the, 
The average funeral service in 1959, this article, cost $92 before taxes. And for that $92, uh, you get a costly chapel on valuable real estate. The body lies in state for two or three days and nights, and the fellow pointed out that, you know, a private hotel room would run about $10 per night back then. So really, you know, you were getting mostly just kind of an overpriced hotel room plus some other services, plus the surgical act of embalming. So there you go. There was, there was, it wasn't really a connection to basketball, but it seemed to be a segue from this odd little, odd little note. Um, the, uh, you know, there's strange things that end up in the, in the local papers over the years, but I'm just, I'm grateful that, uh, you, that there's a history uh, in my hometown that could be resurrected, I suppose, and uh, help uh, all of us relive moments in basketball. Somehow they took on a greater importance in, in life than other things that probably should have been higher up on the scale. When I was a freshman in college, I took a computer science course. Back then, the computer was about a block long, just one. And computer science meant spending a whole night there punching little uh, key cards and having an operator run your program, waiting an hour for it to spit out, and then spending another hour debugging it, doing it all over again. The class met on the weeknight that Indiana basketball played their basketball games. This was 1973-74, so it was like the third year of the Bobby Knight era, and I did not want to miss at least hearings. And uh, in my class, they posted the number of points you had for when you'd reached a D or a C or a B or an A. Great if you got that far. As soon as I hit D, that was the last they saw of me. So that ball uh, is, uh, you know, great for it to be a pleasure and uh, grateful to share uh, some of these uh, hometown bits of history uh, with you all. Thanks for listening.